Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'scatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Wednesday, July 6th. Coming up, how climate change is making it harder for Kansas Citians to cool down at night. Plus, a county clerk in Missouri attempted to remove people with court-appointed guardians from the voter rolls. Advocates for people with disabilities say that's not right. We can't leave that to a county clerk to make that decision. But first, some headlines. With Kansas City's heat index moving into the triple digits this week, health officials are warning of a rise in related illnesses. University Health has reported multiple cases of heat exhaustion and one case of heat stroke since Sunday. Bill Snook of the Kansas City Health Department says it's important to recognize and treat the symptoms of heat exhaustion before it gets worse. Having cool and clammy skin, heavy sweating, headache, nausea, or vomiting, a weak pulse, shallow breathing, Um, Those are signs of heat exhaustion, and you do need to get into a cool environment. The National Weather Service says Kansas City will experience dangerous prolonged heat through tomorrow night. A new safety system at Olathe Public Schools will allow staff to call for help by just pressing a button on a wearable badge. Crisis Alert will let staff request backup for medical emergencies or disturbances. They can also use the system to initiate a campus-wide lockdown in the event of an active shooter. Assistant Superintendent Jim McMullen said at a school board meeting last week the tool can flash beacons around the school, play intercom announcements, and display notifications on computer screens. Many times uh, throughout the district as we've had different issues come up, sometimes there's some areas where it's hard to hear the PA, whether that's a band, classroom, some of your performing arts, theater, sometimes the gym. Training will take place before school starts, with the goal of all staff members receiving their buttons by the end of September. Over the weekend, someone defaced a banner for Jackson County Legislature candidate Justice Horn with a homophobic slur. KCUR's Lawrence Brook IV reports. The sign, which faced Emanuel Cleaver II Boulevard just east of the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art, has since been stolen. Horn, who was black and openly gay, said these attacks would inspire his campaign and their supporters moving forward. I just think because of this issue, that representation is really going to jump out at people more. And, and I think it's going to energize you know, young people, uh, queer people, or, or black people in this district. Horn is running for the first district seat in the county legislature. He also led efforts for the Kansas City Council to create an LGBTQ commission. Election day is August 2nd. It's been a hot summer in Kansas City. Daytime temperatures were well above 90 degrees for much of June, and we're expecting a similar forecast this week. And nighttime temperatures are remaining high as well, which means people don't have as much of an opportunity to cool off when the sun goes down. Nonprofit research group Climate Central, based in New Jersey, studies how climate change is impacting weather around the U.S. And it says yesterday, forecasted low temperatures in our area were about 10 degrees higher than historic averages. I spoke with Andrew Pershing, the group's director of climate science, about why that's happening and what that means for Kansas City. So what happens when nighttime is unusually warm? What are the effects that that has on on people or on communities? So for people, you know, we really think about nighttime as as a time where we can cool down and recharge, especially after a really hot day, which I understand you're having in Kansas City this week. Uh, and so we, you know, having 
cool temperatures at night, right? A lot of houses are built assuming that they'll cool down at night. Uh, places that do have air conditioning, right? You may need to run it more at night in order to stay comfortable, and that's going to increase your electrical bills. What impact does excessive heat at nighttime have on a city or a community in general? You know, the important thing is, is that you know, a lot of people have air conditioning, um, but a lot of folks don't, or they can't afford to run it, or they may be, you know, unhoused and living on the streets, uh, or, you know, conditions like that. And then warm nighttime temperatures are really, really dangerous for, uh, for people in those conditions, uh, because they can't cool down. Um, you know, we had a really uh, kind of tragic example last summer, uh, following Hurricane Ida when New Orleans lost power. They actually had more people die because of the warm nighttime temperatures and the fact that they couldn't air condition apartments and buildings uh, due to the power outages caused by the storm. To what extent are these temperature changes linked to climate change? Do we know? We and this is one of the things that we're that we're working really hard on, and we think that our climate shift index tool can give some insight into. A lot of places in the country, we see you know changes of one or two degrees on average uh, in the nighttime temperatures. But because nighttime temperatures don't vary much uh, from day to day the way that high temperatures do, that actually gives us a really strong signal of climate change. And so many of the temperatures that we see across the country are giving us climate shift index scores of three, four, or even five, meaning three times more likely, four times more likely, or five and above uh, in, in many places. And how does this compare to recent years? Yeah, we haven't looked at that uh, exclusively at this point. We do see a long-term trend towards uh, towards more heat at night, towards warmer conditions at night all throughout the country. Uh, and that's a much stronger signal than the daily highs, although in many places we also see warming uh, during the days as well. So what can people do to mitigate the effects of extreme heat? This is really, really important. So it starts for, with a couple of things. So one is to recognize that a lot of the heat that we deal with, especially in cities, is amplified by the things that we do. So you can think about how you design your city to try to keep keep, keep things cool. So, uh, you know, trees and parks are a great way to help cool a city. Uh, you know, places are experimenting with the color of roads, with the color of roofs to try to reflect more of that heat back into space. Um, the other, the other thing is, you know, unfortunately, air conditioning is really important, and it's becoming more and more important in, 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 you know, more places in the country and over more days throughout the year. And so that's a that's very much an in, an equity uh, consideration of who has access to that. Can they afford to run it? Uh, are there access to cooling centers? And uh, so this is what a lot of cities are having to deal with right now. For people in our community who are dealing with heat at night, is there anything that you recommend that they do? Well, I think if they don't have access to air conditioning, particularly if they have you know an underlying health condition or know somebody that does, I think you want to really make sure that you're checking on your neighbors and perhaps trying to get them to a cooling center or some other facility where they can stay cool. Uh, if you know if people don't have a chance to cool down overnight, uh, can really amplify things like heart disease or you know lung disease or asthma, uh, and, and people who are very old or very young are at especially high risk. Why are we observing such strong signs of climate change at night versus during the day? Yeah, this is something that's really popping out of the data for us, especially this summer. So the when we talk about a climate signal, right, or the being able to detect climate change in uh, in a particular temperature. 
what we're doing is weighing the amount of warming that that uh, location is experiencing, relating that to carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and then relating that again to how much natural variability is in that location. So we're trying to tease apart climate change from, uh, from natural variability. And what we're seeing is that in so many places throughout the country, we have very strong warming at night and a really narrow temperature range. And so that allows us to say that much of, much of the temperatures that people are experiencing at night, especially these unusually warm nights, have a very strong fingerprint of climate change. For daytime high temperatures uh, in places like Kansas City that haven't experienced a lot of warming during the day, uh, we aren't able to say that climate change is having a, as strong of an impact on those daily high temperatures. Uh, it's not the case in places like the Southwest where we have really strong warming in both the day and the night. That was Andrew Pershing, Director of Climate Science at nonprofit Climate Central. The voting rights of some Missourians with disabilities could be at risk. Some believe the wording of the state constitution is at odds with court orders that appoint guardians. St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports the issue came to a head in Phelps County. 35-year-old Mark Murphy of Rolla says voting is very important to him. I've like really paid attention to the news and um, like seeing what's going on out there. Murphy has hydrocephalus, a condition where fluid continually collects around his brain, and he has a shunt that drains the fluid into his stomach. The condition has left him mentally disabled, and he has seizures. He works, he pays taxes, and he votes. But Phelps County Clerk Pam Grow wanted to keep him from going to the polls. This is what happened. Early in the coronavirus pandemic, Murphy hurt his back and had to go to the emergency room. His father, John, took him. But because of COVID protocols, John was limited in what he could do. The triage nurse said, are you his guardian? And I said, no, I'm his father. And she said, well, then you can't go in. John was worried that especially with Mark being in pain, it would be difficult for him to communicate with doctors and nurses and remember their instructions. So to avoid situations like this in the future, John was appointed his son's guardian. And while Mark now needs his dad's permission to sign a contract and he can't drive, the court order specifically states Mark can get married and vote. But Clerk Grow disagrees. She told the Phelps County Commission in late May that she planned to remove all voters from the rolls that had guardians appointed to them. Her argument was the state constitution specifically says, quote, no person who has a guardian of his or her state or person by reason of mental incapacity appointed by a court of competent jurisdiction shall be entitled to vote. Grow did not respond to repeated requests for an interview. We can't leave that to a county clerk to make that decision. Laura Taylor is the executive director of Phelps County Industrial Solutions, where Murphy and dozens of other disabled people work. She says if there is a discrepancy between the Constitution and a court order, that's a legal issue. I feel like that's where we need to be following the courts, the judges, to interpret the law, interpret the Constitution, and if they think that there is a spot there to allow that person to vote, then I don't understand what the issue is. It's not clear how many people in Taylor's employ, or in Phelps County, or anywhere in the state for that matter, would be affected by this. Court-ordered guardianships are protected legal documents that can't be accessed without cause. But Taylor says the bigger issue is how callously the decision was made to try to revoke the voting rights of citizens of Phelps County. 
because that completely devalued the individual, um, especially like the individuals that um, I employ, as well as those in competitive employment, have the complete capability um, to be able to make a lot of decisions for themselves. Grow eventually backed off of her attempts to remove people with guardians from the voter rolls, but not because she thinks she's wrong. She told the commission that she didn't have the backing of the county or the secretary of state and that she was, quote, hung out to dry. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft declined to be interviewed for the story, but his spokesperson issued a statement that said, in part, quote, it would be the responsibility of the courts to determine if there's a conflict with the state constitution. Groh is approaching the end of her second term in office and is not seeking re-election this fall. That has John Murphy wondering, why did this happen now? She told me, she said, um, I took an oath to uphold the Constitution. And I go, okay, good, you did that. Why didn't you do it seven and a half years ago? Mark Murphy says he was dumbfounded as to why he was so close to losing his right to vote, and it made him feel terrible. I just feel like I wouldn't have a say or anything like that. Like, wouldn't be able to give my opinion about who should be running the community. The concern among people with disabilities and their advocates is that this issue could surface again with very little warning in any county in the state. In Rolla, I'm Jonathan All. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Jonathan's story on voting rights and for more on high nighttime temperatures, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Tomorrow, we'll hear why so many teachers are leaving their jobs in Kansas. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.